Uh, Let me just pause and we'll pray as we come to God's word. Father, I want to pray um, that you would help us to remember that uh, the Jesus whose words we're about to read, um, this historical Jesus who walked around uh, the the hillsides of Galilee um, and spoke these words, is also here with us this morning as the risen living Jesus. And so we want to pray that you would come, Lord Jesus, and walk alongside us as we open your word and give us your wisdom and give us your help and give us your insight and make these words come alive for us so that they give life to our hearts and our lives um, and make a difference. Um, We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, I'm going to read in a second um, from the beginning of Matthew 7, um, but maybe just to set the scene for our, uh, our topic this morning. Um, whenever, whenever I was younger, when I was a, a teenager and a student, uh, I was quite obsessed with music and movies. I was a bit of a pop culture junkie. Um, and you would often have found me on a Saturday afternoon in Lisburn, in Eason's, um, flicking through the music and movie magazines. I think I did sometimes pay money and buy them, but uh, often I was there flicking through them, and I wanted to know what the critics thought of the latest releases. Um, how many stars out of five had they given to the latest movie or the latest album so I knew what to spend my, my money on? Um, back in those days, when we wanted to choose a movie or um, even go to a restaurant and those kind of things, Um, we consulted the professional critics, the professional experts who would tell us what was good and what was not. Um, And there's been a really interesting culture shift since then. You you still do get professional critics, um, but their voice is not as prominent in our culture as it used to be because now everyone's a critic. (laughs) Um, And whenever we want to know what movie to watch or what music to listen to or what restaurant to go to, what do we do? We Maybe sometimes we consult the experts, but usually we consult the masses. Uh, We can go on Amazon, we can go on IMDb, we can go on TripAdvisor, we can find out what the ordinary punters think about that restaurant or that movie or whatever. Um, Don't know what you think about that culture shift. Um, There may be some really good things about it. It's maybe a little bit less snobby or pretentious, uh, more democratic. Um, But I also do wonder how much that posture of being a critic then spills out into the rest of life. Um, Is it possible that sometimes we come to church, like we come to a restaurant, and we're given it marks out of 10 for the music and marks out of 10 for the sermon, and we carry that posture of the critic even into church life? What if we carry that posture even into the way we engage with other people? So we're kind of scanning them like Robocop, kind of, deciding what we think of them, their dress sense, their sense of humor, their politics, their theology. And we carry that, that posture of a critic into all of life. I think whenever we do that, it can be spiritually disastrous for us. And we're going to hear the very strong words of Jesus uh, about what happens. Um, so let's read together uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Jesus says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, 
you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is sacred Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. I should say immediately, I'm not going to talk this morning about the dogs and the pearls and the pigs, which is quite a puzzling little bit. We may come back to that later, but I'm not going to try and uh, talk about that this morning. Uh, But I want to focus on these very challenging words of Jesus about uh, the importance of not judging others. Um, And I guess I want to jump right in. And if we were to ask, why is this so important? Because Jesus is very direct about this. Do not judge or you will be judged. Why why is this so important? Um, And if I I was to sum up uh, maybe one way of coming at this, um, we could say this, that it's not your job to judge the world, right? There's a very simple uh, thing to reflect on. that job has already been allocated and it wasn't given to you, right? It's not your job to judge the world. The Bible says again and again that God is the only righteous judge. And the Old Testament speaks of God as the judge of all the earth, as the one who will judge the world, who will judge the nations, who will judge the people with equity and justice and fairness. Um, And when you get to the New Testament, it tells us that God the Father has given this job to Jesus himself. Jesus will come back to judge the living and the dead. Um, Acts 17, verse 31, um, it says, For God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And you're leaning in wondering, who is the man he's appointed? Is it me? Um, And it says, He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. You know the person God has given that job to because he raised them from the dead. Jesus is the one who will come back to judge the living and the dead. So whenever we take the place of judgment over others, we are taking God's place, which is really a kind of blasphemy. Um, James chapter 4 verse 12 says it this way, There is only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy But who are you to judge your neighbor? Who are you to take that role that is God's on yourself? So why is this so important? Because this isn't our job to judge the world, to judge our neighbor, to judge each other. Um, The great evangelist Billy Graham um, said this, and I find this so helpful. He said, it is the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge and my job to love. We, we have been given a job, and our primary job every day is to love our neighbor, to love even strangers and enemies, to love our brothers and sisters. The, the greatest commandment, Jesus said, is to love God and love our neighbor. This is how people are going to know that we are disciples of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. And it's my job every day to love. 
We're going to think a bit more as we go on about some of the aspects of how we love each other, um, which is really important. Um, but that's a good place to begin. Um, judging others involves, I think, jumping to conclusions based on a little information. It's a bit like looking through a little small window and we can only see a little bit. Um, but we, we see a, snap, a snapshot of somebody else's life and we feel that we're justified in drawing all kinds of conclusions. And actually, we see very little. We see through a glass darkly. We see in part. We see only a little bit. Um, that's why judging should be left to God, who sees the whole picture, who sees the whole story. Um, we're we're going to come to Jesus' words about the plank and the speck just in a moment. But um, I do want to think about, uh, I do think it's important to think about our moment in culture and where some of these things play out a little bit. Um, and I do think this is another area where social media and the internet has been disastrous and has kind of poured petrol on our tendency to judge other people. Um, because what happens, well, let, let me put up a little cartoon that shows us all uh, becoming judges as we pass through. Uh, uh, there are other social, social media uh, platforms available, as well as Facebook. Um, but what, what happens on social media is we, we give each other little snapshots of our lives, a photo, a few words, a link to an article, a video, and then other people are at liberty to make judgments from a safe distance, whether it's about our fashion sense or our taste in music or our parenting or our politics or our theology or whatever it is. Um, Jesus said um, a number of times, you will know people by their fruit. But to see fruit, you have to be up close to people. You have to spend time in their company, in their home, seeing how they live in relationship with other people. Um, and it's very easy. We can admire somebody online. And actually, if you got to spend a little bit of time in their company or in their home and saw how they lived, you would realize that the fruit in their life is rotten. And equally, we can judge someone harshly on the internet. But actually, if you got up close and spent time with them in person, you would realize I have a lot to learn from this person and a lot to admire. There's all kinds of good fruit in their lives. Um, I wonder if judging is not closely linked to envy. Um, social media, it's, a, it's often been commented, feeds envy because we see people who seem to be happier and richer and smarter and more sordid than us and more spiritual than us and more intelligent than us and they've got more likes than us and envy gets stirred up. Um, but there's a really interesting thing, I think, to reflect on that envy feels kind of yucky. It doesn't feel nice to be envious of someone, whereas judging feels kind of delicious, <laughs> right? And so I think there's a shift where we, we move from envy to judging people because it feels a lot nicer, at least for a while. It ends up tasting pr pretty rotten in the end, um, but at least for a while it, it feels a bit better. So I think for many of us, if we want to take this teaching about judging seriously in our generation, we may need to radically reconsider our relationship with the internet and with social media, because I think it's pouring petrol on a tendency that was already there in human nature. But Let's jump into uh, the heart of what Jesus says in this wonderfully memorable uh, image. 
Um, what is the first step? What is the essential step? First, take the plank out of your own eye. Um, I did find on the internet various pictures that people had drawn of planks coming out of eyes, but they all looked either a bit weird or a bit uh, kind of disturbing, so I didn't put them up on the, the screen. Um, take the plank out of your own eye. This is to be our, our first priority, not to fix and correct and critique other people, but to pay attention to the areas where I need to grow, my blind spots and my flaws and my sins. That is where my first focus is to be. Um, let me say something that may not be surprising to you, that the, the goal of God's work in my life, um, as in yours, is to make me more like Jesus, right? That's the goal. And I, I don't know about you, but I have a long, 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 long way to go to reach that goal. There is a lot of growing for me to do. And so my urgent priority today and tomorrow and every day is to open my life to God's work, to open my life to the Holy Spirit, to open my life to God's word, to allow God to search my heart and show me what needs healed and what needs rooted out and where, where there is room for me to learn and grow and become more like Jesus. Um, I put it on the screen as step one, but there's a sense in which this is the step we return to every day. You don't actually ever um, reach a point where this is not necessary. Um, it's the work of a lifetime to grow and become the people God intends us to be. Um, it's not, it's really important to say, it's not gloomy, heavy work. It's not about going around every day saying, I'm so terrible, I'm so rubbish, I'm an awful person. Um, it's hopeful work because God is working to make us whole and to make us holy. Uh, and the one who's begun a good work in us is going to carry it on to completion. Um, so there's something really hopeful about this work. Um, but it is the work of every day, and it's the work of a lifetime, and it's our first priority. Um, maybe one thing that puzzles us when we think about the law, the plank and the speck, um, we wonder, is Jesus saying that I'm worse than everybody else? Everybody else has a speck, but I've got a log. Um, well, obviously, he's not saying that because that wouldn't make any sense because he says it to every one of us. Um, take the log out of your, your own eye. But certainly he's saying my daily awareness should be focused on my need for grace and for help. Um, and given how much bigger a log is than a speck, um, I, I'm kind of taking it as a rule of thumb for myself that I, I should be thinking about my own need for grace and my own need for growth at least 90% of the time. Um, and then there might be a little bit of time to help my brothers and sisters to grow. But there needs to be a much greater awareness of where I need grace and where I need growth and where I need help. Um, maybe it's good from time to time to do a little health check and ask, um, if I was to ask you today, um, what has God been teaching you recently? What has God been showing you? What has God been saying to you? Um, if our answer to that question is mainly about things that other people need to learn, God's been showing me what's wrong with the church. God's been showing me what's wrong with the world. God's been showing me what's wrong with my neighbors. Um, and not about where I need to grow and where I need to learn. Um, that is a sign, I think, of spiritual disease. We need to humble ourselves 
and come back to basics and recognize how far we have to go in our journey with God. Um, um, and by the way, we can, we can do this even with the passage that we read this morning. So we can read the passage and go, I, I know someone who's got a massive, gigantic plank in their eye. Um, and of course, we've missed the point. Um, I know someone who's a bit judgy. Um, again, we've missed the point. What is God saying to us uh, by where we need to learn and grow? Um, there's something really comic and absurd in the image of someone trying to take specks out of other people's eyes with this great big plank sticking out of their own eye. But that is a real danger, and it causes great damage. Um, often, those who are most keen to judge and criticize others have all kinds of big things needing healed in their own lives. And the judging is a way of avoiding our own need for grace and our own need for help. Um, There's a sense in which we can say the best thing you can do for the world um, and the best thing you can do for the church and the best thing you can do for your family and friends is to get up every day and come with humility and focus on your own need for grace. That will be a tremendous blessing to the world and to the church and to those around you. And then Jesus says, we can see clearly to remove the speck from our brother's eye. And it's important Jesus does end there. There is a place for helping each other to see things that, are, that we need to recognize and where we need to grow. But only those who are humbly learning and growing themselves should ever be trying to help others to grow. Otherwise, we become dangerous and we cause great harm. Um, been thinking about that image of taking a speck out of someone's eye. I don't know if you've ever, I'm sure most of us have had someone do that for us. Um, there's something very up close and intimate about removing a speck. Um, we'd usually only allow a close relative or a really good friend to do that for us. You wouldn't ask a stranger on the street, could you help me get this thing out of my eye? Because it's, it's very up close. And there's something in that that I think is helpful. Um, the New Testament tells us that there's a time for challenging each other, uh, correcting each other, rebuking each other. The, the word that often occur, occurs in the New Testament is admonish one another. So there is a place for that ministry of speck removal where we help each other see things that are wrong in our lives and where we need to grow. But that encouragement to admonish one another or uh, rebuke one another or challenge one another comes surrounded by all these other one another commands where we're told to uh, bear with one another and build one another up in love and serve one another and love one another deeply from the heart and accept one another and show hospitality to one another and pray for one another, right? And the, the ministry of speck removal has got to happen in that context or not at all, right? If I am not humbling myself to serve my brothers and to encourage my sisters and to pray for people and to lay my life down for them in all kinds of ways, then I dare not presume to take on the ministry of correcting and challenging and rebuking. But if you and I are walking in humility, uh, aware of our own need for grace and growth, and if we're walking in love, looking for ways to encourage and build up and spur on and carry burdens and all the rest, then this becomes a really powerful ministry. Um, 
If you've ever had a speck in your eye, it can be a deeply painful thing and a very irritating thing and something that blurs your vision. And you and I can help to remove those things from each other's lives. Um, Maybe you only need to think, um, if someone in our church who has never shown any interest in you, has never encouraged you or never really spoken a word to you or done anything loving or kind towards you, came up to you out of the blue and said, I want to talk to you about something that's wrong in your life. I wonder how that would feel to you. Would you be able to receive that word of admonishment from them? But then imagine someone who has always been encouraging you, who has encouraged you in a thousand ways, who has taken a deep interest in your life, who you know prays for you every day, who you know would lay down their life for you, who has your back, and they come up to you and say, there's something I really want to talk to you about. I want to challenge you a little bit about something that maybe you need to pay attention to. That's still an uncomfortable conversation, but we're, we're able to receive it as coming from a brother or sister who is walking in humility and walking in love. So first remove the plank from your own eye every day. And then in the context of a community of love, we can take the speck uh, from each other's eye. Um, let's pray. Uh, as we finish, and then we're going to sing the song of response uh, before Billy leads us into communion. Let's pray together. Father, I pray uh, that you would forgive us when we are so arrogant and presumptuous to set ourselves up as judge, and we confess together that you are the only righteous judge You're the only one who can be trusted to judge the world with fairness and justice and equity. Um, Father, I want to pray you would help us every day to be aware of, of how much we need to grow and how much we need to learn, of how little we see, um, of our need for grace and our need for Jesus and our need for growth. Father, help us to walk in that kind of humility every day. And Father, help us to be a community of believers who look to love each other in a thousand different ways. And Father, we pray that as part of that, we would be able to safely um, practice this ministry um, of removing specks from each other's eyes and helping each other to grow. Um, Father, help us, teach us how to put these things into practice in our lives. Um, Thank you that you are patient with us as we learn and as we grow. But I pray we would take the words of Jesus to heart this morning. Uh, And we pray in his name. Uh, Amen.